Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again today. We are looking at the Essential Doctrine series this year, and today I want to begin by talking about the the person of Jesus, that He was fully God and fully man. We're going to be in John chapter 1 today, if you want to go ahead and turn there. This week is referred to as Holy Week. Holy Week is is a week that's preceding uh, Easter. It usually begins with Palm Sunday and it ends the following Saturday, the day before Easter. And it includes, you know, a lot of days in, in different phase, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy, Holy Saturday. But during this uh, Holy Week, Christians, we, we remember the, the passion of Christ. You know, he, he died on Good Friday to pay for the sins of all those who would believe in Him. And so those last three days of Holy Week are, are pretty somber. But, you know, it turns to joy the day after when we celebrate Easter Sunday. Well, this year, during Holy Week, I want to review this doctrine of Christ. And today we're going to look at the person of Christ, specifically the Incarnation. And then on Friday, we're going to look at the Atonement of Christ. And then on Easter, the Resurrection of Christ. Now, earlier this year, we we covered the miraculous truth of the Trinity of God. Do, do you remember that? If not, you can go back and, and find that sermon and do some review there. But we said that God is three persons, that all are equally God, and there is one God. Now, some of us left scratching our heads over uh, over that doctrine, but we're, we, we were challenged to believe in faith what the Bible says, period. So today I want to cover something equally as miraculous and, and head-scratching. Now, J.L. Packer said, Here are, are two mysteries for the price of one, the plurality of persons within the unity of God, and the union of the Godhead and manhood in the person of Jesus. Nothing is fiction, I'm sorry, nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is the truth of the Incarnation. Now the Incarnation is a term that refers to the Son of God, uh, the second part of the Trinity, putting on flesh and living as a human while remaining fully God. In the main verse Verses in this doctrine are found in John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 1 and verse 14. So do you have it? Follow along. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see that the Word became flesh. Now the Word, that, that refers to Jesus, you know, the Son of God, God Himself. And it says became. Now that means that He added another nature to His being. Not a completely, uh, He didn't become a completely different being. He added another one to His nature. I like what John Piper says. He says, in, in beginning man, Uh, He did not forsake His divine nature, or I'm sorry, in becoming man, He did not forsake His divine nature as if that were an option. Rather, He became man by 
taking on human nature in addition to his divine nature. It is essential to the incarnation and very helpful throughout all theology to recognize that divinity and humanity are not mutually exclusive. The Son of God didn't have to pick between being God and being man. He could be both at the same time. So that puts that into a great perspective. He, he not only took on the nature, uh, but he took on the flesh as well. Flesh is not simply a, a term meaning you know, meat or substance. The, the flesh is, well, the original readers would have understood that to mean a body with a, a mind and a full range of emotions, you know, a spirit and a, and a soul. So the incarnation means that Jesus became like us, like us in, in every way, except maybe our sin nature. He, he did not do that. I've heard it said that everything good about humanity was present in the person of Jesus. And he didn't simply become like man, he became fully man. And everything about God was in the person of Jesus too. This is something we must believe. It is crucial for salvation. I want to explain why. For while while still being fully God, Jesus became fully man. This is the incarnation. So let's break it up a bit, okay? So first, Jesus is human. Jesus is human. Jesus was born. And we know that he was born of a virgin birth. Matthew 1, 18-20 tells us, Now the, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of man, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he was to be born from Mary, um, but not have a father. It was a virgin birth. Now this shows us that salvation comes from, comes from the Lord. Okay, People look for salvation in what they can achieve or what they can hang on to. And, and there's a whole lot of religions built on earning, earning your salvation. But this passage says that salvation is from the Lord. Now the child was sired by the Holy Spirit himself. This, made the, this is what made the incarnation possible. He had, he had all the nature of God through the Holy Spirit and all the nature of man through Mary. Now remember what we've been learning. These doctrines are starting to build on one another now. So the virgin birth allows Christ to be human without the sin nature. Because he was sired outside the, the natural line of Adam, the sin nature which which the, you know, the holiness of God wouldn't even have tolerated, was not passed down to him. Now, now ladies, this is not proof. <laughs> Don't use this. This is not proof that when your child acts up, he gets that from his father. This is not the principal teaching here. We can discuss that, discuss that later. But this does mean that all people come from the first man, right? But that doesn't necessarily apply to Jesus, because the Holy Spirit was involved in this, and He was born, and, and born of a virgin. Secondly, I want, to, I want you to know that Jesus had weaknesses, and He had limitations. As, as a human, He had weaknesses and limitations because He had a human body. 
He had, I mean, think about it. He had a baby's body in Luke chapter 2. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Why swaddled? Because all children need to be swaddled. Their bodies need to be kept warm and tight. It gives them comfort. And why was he laid in a manger? For he had a baby's body. He, 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 would, have been, he would have been cold and the ground would have been hard. And so they took care of him. They laid him in hay in a, in a manger. And later on, he had a kid's body, right? It was, it was his body that went missing during the caravan back home after they traveled uh, to the Passover. Remember that? And his parents flipped out. Why? Because they were fearful of his life. They were fearful someone would steal him and, uh, and kill him. But, you know, he had an ad- adult body later on that they did, they, they did that very thing. If you think about it, I mean, first he got hungry and he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, right? And the angels had to tend to his body. They had to care for him and build up his strength. But then later on, he was carrying his cross and he fell, right? His body gave out. He fell and Simon had to carry the cross for him. And remember what he said on the cross? He said, I thirst. That's because he had a human body. But Jesus also had a human mind. I mean, we read in Luke chapter 2, I think, where, where it says that he, he's increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And he had to, he had to learn. He had to be mature. I mean, was, was Jesus a typical preteen? You know, maybe so. They didn't bathe in Israel very often in those days, but probably not, okay? He, he didn't have that rebellious nature. He didn't have that stinging tongue that a lot of today's preteens uh, would, would wheel. But he did have a, a human mind. He had to increase in wisdom, right? He also had a human soul. Remember a couple of weeks ago that we learned that, that humans are dichotomous? There's a there's a physical side to us and a non-physical side to us. Jesus had this too. Remember, I quoted uh, John 12 where it says, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled? He had, he had emotions. He had troubling emotions. This means he had a soul. But he also had a human spirit. The immaterial side of Jesus had both soul and spirit. Just one chapter later in John 13, Jesus says my, uh, that he, I am troubled in my spirit. And so we know that he had a human soul and a human spirit. So he was born and he had a body with human weaknesses and limitations. And he was fully human, having the full range of emotions and and a mind that can see and or think and perceive. Right. So he was fully human, but he was sinless. Okay. The Bible's very clear about this. Jesus never sinned. I mean, think about it. When he was in the wilderness with the devil, and the devil failed to tempt him, right? In Matthew chapter 4, the devil said, you know, turn these stones into bread. That was, that's the lust of the flesh. Man, and Jesus said, man shall not live by, by bread alone, right? And then in Matthew 4, 6, he said, uh, you know, Satan said, throw yourself down here. Make the angels catch you. Assert your th- authority, this would have been a pride issue for Christ. And he says, do not tempt the Lord your God. And then three verses later in Matthew 4, 9, he says, worship me. 
and I will give you the kingdoms of the earth. And he could see the kingdoms of the earth from a really high place. This would have been a temptation for the lust of the eyes. And what did Jesus say? We worship and serve God alone. So the devil failed to tempt Jesus to sin. In fact, nothing, nothing successfully tempted him to sin. That's why the author of Hebrews in chapter 4, 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So it's very clear Jesus was sinless. Now, could he have sinned? Well, this is, this is a conundrum, okay? Because if we say yes, he could have sinned, then James 1.13 is a lie. He says that, you know, no, that uh, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. So he, he couldn't have sinned, right? But if we say no, he couldn't have sinned, then his temptations could not have been real and thus really not necessary. How would he have defeated sin if he simply would have sidestepped it? No. You know, the Bible says the temptations were real, and he did not sin in those. So I guess, in some sense, both answers must be true. Maybe he chose to, to, you know, to meet head-on the temptations of sin with his human nature and kept a backup of his divine nature to keep him from sinning. I don't know how all that worked, but I know the Bible says it did. Head-scratcher, yeah, but true nonetheless. Was... Was becoming a human really necessary for him? There's some argument over this. In fact, when John wrote his first epistle, you know, in 1 John, docetism, uh, docetism was being taught. It was, a, it was a heretical teaching, okay, that, that believed that Jesus was not fully, fully God. I mean, was not fully man. He was not fully man. John refuted this, by the way, in 1 John chapter 4. He says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, he goes on to say, which you've heard was coming and now is in the world already. So John refuted this idea that, that Jesus was not fully man. He had to be human. Realize this. Was it necessary? Yes. He had to be human. He had to be tempted to gain righteousness. We'll talk about that in a minute. He had to model that 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 life that man could pattern it. You know, obedience to God is possible. He had to he had to model that for us. And he had to be be complete. He had to be completely man, or there wasn't a full substitute, wasn't a full substitute or sacrifice for us. It was necessary for him to be fully human. So, so Jesus was a man. He was fully man, but Jesus was divine too. Look, there's some, there's some direct scriptures about this. You know, John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is that? I mean, that's Jesus in, in, in God. Jesus is God. Look, Romans 9, 1, From their race, according to their flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all. John, I mean, uh, uh, the writer of Romans says that, 
says that this is God. In, in Titus, Titus 2.13, it says that we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It couldn't be more, more clear there. In Hebrews 1.8, but of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. He calls, um, he calls Jesus God there, right? I mean, even in the Old Testament, it was, it was prophesied that Jesus would be God. Think about that verse that we use at Christmas time, Isaiah 9, 6. For, us, um, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the scriptures are clear that Jesus is fully God. And we see this evidence in his attributes, don't we? Look, he was able to quiet the storm when they were on the sea. This shows his, um, his omnipotence. He, he knew people's thoughts. We see that in several stories where knowing their thoughts, he would react in a certain way. This shows that he had omniscience. He said, where two or more are gathered, there I will be amidst them. This shows his omnipresence. That's an attribute only given to God. Remember when he answered before Abraham was, I am, he even claimed that he was God and showed his eternality. And remember, he, he, remember he, he forgave sins. Who can forgive sins? This shows the sovereignty of God. And then finally, at the mention of his name, we know that every knee shall bow. So he's worthy of worship, of which God is not going to share with anyone else. So if, if that's not clear enough, <laughs> that he was fully God, listen to Colossians 1.19. There is nothing more clear than this. For in him, meaning Jesus, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. <laughs> he is fully God. He was fully man, but he's fully God. So there's a theory out there called the kenosis theory. And the kenosis theory tries to answer the question, you know, did, did, did he have to give up some of his divine attributes to, to, uh, to become this being, okay? So the kenosis theory is that it says that Jesus simply became less God. Okay, and that's based loosely on, a, on a, the wrong interpretation of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7, where it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So, by emptying himself, well, emptying himself um, meant humbling himself on in, in this context, not forfeiting some divine abilities. And the context is found in, in verse 2. Do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Okay, so this is the context of that. So kenosis theory is not accurate. He did not become less God. He thought of himself less. Did he have to give up some of his attributes? Absolutely not. What control would he have 
would he have to have on the cross if 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 he had <laughs> if if he if he did not have to give up any of his attributes well we we answer the question was his humanity necessary well what about his deity was it necessary absolutely necessary only only an all powerful god could bear the sins of the world and the weight of the sins of the world uh, you know for all time that would crush a normal man Look, Jonah got it right in Jonah 2.19. Salvation belongs to the Lord. God had to bring that. God had to usher that in. Humans couldn't do that. Not only that, but Jesus had to be the mediator between God and man. He had to relate to both. Think of a translator. If I go to Honduras, there has to be someone between someone speaking Spanish and me speaking English, or we're not going to be able to relate. He had to be able to relate to God and relate to man to bring us together. So his deity is essential. It's essential in this doctrine. Now, the incarnation of Jesus points to one fact, okay? He was fully God, and he was fully man. He was God in the flesh. There was a a group of folks that that debated this and, and tried to word this exactly right back in, in 451. And the Chalcedonians, um, uh, they define this like this. Therefore, following the Holy Fathers, we all with one accord teach men to acknowledge one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as once complete in the Godhead and complete in manhood, truly God and truly man. And so, uh, and they go on to say uh, several other things about that, but they they put that in very clear words for us. So think of it this way, okay? Jesus is just as much God as he had never been man, and just as much man as if he'd never been God. Now look, I've heard you say sometimes that that, that there are times in your job or times in your sport when you had to give 110%. You know, the coach is wanting 110% from you. Think of it this way. Jesus gave salvation 200%. 200% of his effort. 100% of divine effort and 100% of human effort. Both working in tandem. Both creating a salvation gift for all of us. So what does knowing this doctrine cause us to do? Well, for me, I I can trust that Jesus understands our struggles. I, I believe that. Listen, uh, Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He can sympathize with our struggles. God became man, and He experienced your hurt, your frustrations, your pain, your loss, all of your struggles. And He, as a man, understands exactly what you're going through. So he can have the utmost empathy for you. He's put himself in our shoes and he suffered with us. Another thing this causes us to do is to trust that Jesus was enough to pay for our sins. Okay? Because Jesus was fully God, his sacrifice was more than enough to cover our sins. I mean, If I were to offer to die for your sins, you may not trust that I could actually pull it off. But Jesus was fully God. He is capable of carrying the massive weight of all of our sins if we allow Him 
to shoulder them. The third thing this forces us to do is to worship God. Look, only He could pull this off. (laughs) You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Only God could be born outside of the line of a man through a virgin. Only sinless God could take on the punishment of all of our sins. Anybody else would have died for their own sins. So He alone is worthy of worship. He alone is worthy of honor and praise and admiration. Only He could pull this off. Well, what, a, what an awesome doctrine. What an awesome doctrine. This absolutely pours fuel on the fire of our worship attempts. Jesus didn't become man because He could. This, this, wasn't, this wasn't a reality show. God became man and did something awesome. He became flesh and blood to save us from our sin and to free us so that we could live with and worship Him. That, what, a, what a great gift. The art incarnation is a wonderful, wonderful gift for us. So will you accept that gift? I mean, seriously, will you, will you accept that gift? If so, it's a simple prayer. Lord, I accept your gift. Forgive my sins. Come into my life. Pray that prayer today. Ask Him to be Lord of your life. Trust that Jesus was enough, that His death on the cross was enough, and He will save you. If you need help with that, contact me. You can find my my email below. Email me, and I'll walk you through that. If you've already done that, will you just realize that He is so worthy of your worship now? He's so worthy of your worship. Look what great lengths He went to to provide salvation for you. He took on 100% flesh and the temptations that come with it. And He endured and died. This coming week, we're going to talk about His death. We're going to refer to the atonement of Christ in our doctrinal study. So come back and listen to that. It's going to be really good. I want to pray for you now before we close today and pray the Lord blesses you with this knowledge. Father, I ask that you would bless those who are hearing this today, that you will will give them an awe of what you've done. The incarnation was truly special. When we look at your personhood and we see the truth that you are fully God and fully man, we bow before you because you were able to be one of us, yet without sin. You are a one of a kind. And so we worship you and we praise you, realizing that you are you are Father and Son and Spirit. You are Holy God and we are yours. Thank you, Father, as you bless these listening today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, thanks for listening. Hope you have a blessed week. Tune in again next week. Until then, Lord bless and keep you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time. Be blessed. And remember, 
God is pro-you.